He is the way and the truth and the life. We have to die in order to live. Well, good morning, Father. Good morning, John Ray. Welcome to Beyond the Homily, episode 22. Deuce, deuce. Double deuce. It's, uh, we're moving along, you know, 22. And uh, our three listeners are being very educated. 22 and 22. With 22 listeners? <laughs> 22 and 22. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy because it's going to release on 2-2-22. Wow. Look at that. How providential. God knows what he's doing, yeah. Cool. It's a good thing he does because I'm not sure you and I do. Yeah, especially when other people don't. God's yeah. got it. So tell me something good. Something good. Well, uh, came back from the March for Life, of course. It's been uh, about a week and a half or so since being back. Uh, it's great to be back. The deacons preached this past weekend. Yeah, I noticed they benched you again. Oh, no, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> you know, the, uh, and so I had Mass. I also had Mass at uh, Our Lady of Wisdom Saturday. Usually Usually if, um, you know, because there's a lot of parishes and people need a lot of help, if I don't have mass uh, at a certain time, either in the morning or afternoon, I, uh, people reach out for help and I'm able to help than I do. And so I was able to help out at Our Lady of Wisdom uh, at UL for Saturday afternoon. Nice. I'm glad you could help out. They need all the help they can get them college students. Yeah, well, you know, Father Broussard and Father Stephen Pelsier. I mean, what are they doing, you know? Uh, I mean, I didn't say it. <laughs> no, I, I talk to them pretty regularly. So I, I like to pick on them. That's some good people, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I always said that um, our college campuses... I think are one of the, uh, the one of the most important parishes within a diocese because you're not forming people say you know you're forming the future of the church I don't you're forming the church right now mm-hmm. right because I mean that's uh, you, let's say UL has 20 25,000 students that go there I mean that's a that's a big parish and then uh, college kids going to their parishes in the future after a few years most influential part of their life it's important that we have I think some of our most solid priests there Absolutely. Well, and I mean, just, you know, it's a good thing Father Bruce Hart can dance. You remember when he was the dancing priest on ESPN, right? Yeah, and he, uh, he never lived it down. No, he's still there. Uh, and, and Father Bruce Hart, if you're listening, we're glad we can remind you of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you're going to need to step up this year because we got a new coach and we're going to have some new players and they're going to need all the motivation they can get. Well, Father Stephen Pelsey was on ESPN. Uh, was he? Yeah, he was in the crowd and he just kind of, you know, did a little shimmy. And so now he's the, and Father Bruce Hart told me he was happy to pass the torch to uh, Father Stephen for one of the football games. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so a lot happened this last Sunday in all of the readings, really, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh, Jesus had a mic drop yeah. in the gospel. Yeah, he had... Uh, then, uh, you know, our first kind of two readings uh, talked a lot about love and, of course, the kind of the iconic... Um, I think one of the, the most used wedding... Um, Verses that we have from from Corinthians, you know, a lot of weddings use this uh, this reading. Irony of ironies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's uh, what few people realize is that St. Paul was fussing at the Corinthians, <laughs> <laughs> and they make it their wedding yeah, reading. Yeah. They, uh, <laughs> so we'll begin our wedding with a fight. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah. maybe that's a great way to. It's not. It's not a fight. It's being scolded, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it corrected. Uh, 
But I'm yeah, Saint Paul's letter to the Corinthians. He's um, <clears throat> it's um, it's a beautiful. I mean, anything. Yeah, but, Paul, but, but before we jump into that, okay, I think okay. it's important that we start at the beginning. What happened in the first reading? We're going to kind of unpack a little bit here in a very short period of time because you have a meeting. Yeah, so, yeah. Clock starts. There we go. Well, with Jeremiah, you know, Jeremiah, he starts off with one of my favorite, my favorite verses in Scripture. Uh, so Psalm 193, 139, I'm sorry, 139 is big on this and kind of unpacks this one verse from Jeremiah. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you. And it's just this idea that God knows who I am. He, this Alpha and Omega, the one that created the stars and the heaven, that like separated light from darkness, that did all these things on such a cosmic level, uh, is being itself, is omnipotent, all-powerful. He not only is all that, but one of the craziest things is that he knows me. And uh, that's why this is one of my favorite verses, because uh, Psalm 139 is actually my favorite passage from the Old Testament. And it kind of just flushes this out that of all the things God does, don't don't get too lost in the cosmos, because he knows the hairs on my head and he's with me always and that he knows who I am. And on just the most fundamental level, loves me. Mm hmm. Can I share a cool story? Absolutely. Um, so Revelations 4, um, Revelations chapter 4, verses 10, I think. I, I might be off on the verses. Um, it was a theme that Life Teen had. They pulled their theme from that passage years and years and years ago. And I was invited to go give a talk on the theme. And at the time, we, um, at the time I say we, Alicia was pregnant for Noah. I was not. Um, and uh, if you know anything about my family dynamic, my oldest is 13. Uh, my second is going to turn 12 next week. And Noah is six. Um, and then Lucy is three, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a gap. And that gap wasn't because we had a lack of a desire to have another child, right? It was because... For whatever reason, God had it in his infinite plan that we would have a, two sets of kids. So we don't have four children. We have two plus two. Um, and so anyway, I'm praying with this passage and it says, um, um, for you created all things and all things came into being because you created them. Hmm. And I'm paraphrasing that a little bit. That, that's the book of Revelations, according to John Ray. And while I'm praying with this, I have this realization that if at any point in that six years where we didn't conceive a child, if we would have conceived a child, then we wouldn't have conceived Noah. Hmm. Right. And it was just this. I mean, like it brought me to tears in that moment because then it was the realization that, man, you wanted the world to know him. Wait, you wanted the world to know all of us, right? And John Paul II talks about that as a theology of the body, right? Yeah. If we remove one um, conception that happened in our lineage, we cease to exist today, you know? And so this passage, when I formed you in the womb, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, right? God knew who we are, you and I and everyone listening, and he spoke us into existence for a reason on purpose. Yeah. 
I mean, it's, and I think I think that's one of the biggest jumps that people have to make. It's not the idea of God or anything like that, but once they come to know all these things and they know and they start to understand their faith more and more. I mean, one of the biggest jumps that people have to make is that they, they, they see their own brokenness and they see the perfection of God and then they still see that God loves them and they don't understand why. And this is a mystery of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mystery of faith isn't so much, you know, Moses parting the Red Sea, you know, or, you know, the miracles that happen and Jesus walking on water. I mean, a, a very real miracle is that you know, as with all my failures and shortcomings and the things I get wrong or the things I should have done better, all these things, that God, who is perfection, knows and still loves me more than I could ever possibly imagine. That is a radical truth that a lot of people have a hard time understanding. Uh, and because it's a mystery, it can never be fully exhausted, right? A mystery is not something that goes against reason or something that we can't understand, but it's something that can never be exhausted. And so it's it's something that I think more people should be able to reflect on. God's infinite love for me and why. Mm. And just to come on a deep level to understand that it is a mystery and that what should I do in the face of such love? I love in return. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. That we have a God that created everything, that created us, and that we weren't just happenstance, mm-hmm. right? He actually thought us and spoke us into existence by name and desires to have a relationship with us. Yeah, and that's a perfect segue into the second reading with St. Paul. I know. That's what I was thinking. You're welcome. Yeah. There we go. Thank you, John. What would it? What would? What would I do without you? Uh, uh, I ask myself that every morning. I look in the mirror and I say, "Self, yeah, what would I do without you?" Yeah. The, <laughs> so the um, the second reading with Saint Paul. Saint Paul is kind of praising the Corinthians, and he, you know, he's kind of going into all these gifts and everything. But he says something very radical. And something I, I I've talked not at this parish, but I've talked at before at other parishes. I want to read just kind of the first, because it's a long reading, but I want to read just this first kind of few verses. Brothers and sisters, strive eagerly for the greatest spiritual gifts, but I shall show you a still more perfect, a still more excellent way. If I speak in human and angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and comprehend all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything I own and if I hand my body over so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Right there. I want to paraphrase it. If I know more than anybody else in the entire world, and I know more than everyone combined in the entire world, if I'm the smartest person to ever live, but I do not have love, in God's eyes, I am annoying. Mm. I'm a clashing gong. If I sell all So think I- about kids that say the same 
noise over and over and over and over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. You, you've been around that kid oh, that's yeah. just, that's what God's saying? God is saying. You're that annoying? If I had, if I had the spiritual gifts of Padre Pio, if I could levitate, bilocate, had the stigmata, could read souls, if I could, if I had uh, Lucretians of uh, of our Blessed Mother and uh, Jesus, and Lucretians is that a disease? No, it is a. Uh, what is it? It is uh, apparition. Okay. So if if Mary, I knew that by the yeah. way. I just didn't know if all of our oh, listeners. Oh no, would. for sure. Yeah, if uh, if Mary and Jesus and my guardian angels and these saints appear to me, and I have all these gifts, if I have the gift of reading souls, and I do not have love. Then in God's eyes, I'm annoying. That's incredible to think that I could have all these things that in the world, in the eyes of the world, I would be blessed by God. But if I don't have love, just know that in God's eyes, you're a contradiction. That um, he had, not that he doesn't have time for you, but he's starting to wonder why you're acting the way you do. That love, if I don't have love, then I have nothing. If I have love, I have everything. I could have all the money. I could be the richest person to ever live. But if I don't have love, in God's eyes, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. Think about this. God, who's everything, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, all-present, all all-knowing, all-powerful, Human accomplishments in God's eyes are nothing. There's nothing grand I can do in God's eyes or great. But I can do small things with great love. Mm, and that's a quote from Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what God looks for is love. And so St. Paul is trying to tell these people this. That he said, look, all the and St. Paul's the one to say it, huh? St. Paul's the, the most powerful saint to ever live. Uh, and, and nobody ever I mean, to question St. Paul, you'd you'd have to, you know, you'd have to be pretty outrageous. But St. Paul said, even me, who's the greatest preacher to ever live. I mean, he was, but the greatest preacher to ever live. If I had a tongue of gold, and but if I didn't have love, on the eyes of God. Uh, you know, it's, I'm annoying. And so, and then he goes on to say what love is. Because people, we have this kind of wishy-washy idea of love or this uh, very fluid idea of love, like that love kind of changes, mm-hmm. right? That my, your definition of love is different from my definition of love. We're not talking about romantic emotional love? It can include that. Sure. But no. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I think every married couple would agree that yeah. you know uh, love is an intentional act of the will yeah, at that, times yeah so that you know love can include these emotional feelings that overwhelm and even bring tears to my eyes right it happens all the time but love is not essentially that love can produce that but at the core love is much more than uh, my feelings that change 20 times a day you mm-hmm. know so St. Paul goes on to say Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. It is not pompous. It is not inflated. And so he goes on to describe love. But then, what else do we say as Catholics? That God is love. God's not like 99% of love. 
He's not like a big piece of the pie of love. God is love. And so if I do not have God in my life, then I do not have love in my life. I have a cheap imitation of love. But anytime that love is in my life, God has to be a part of it. Well, it's why he said that, you know, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, with your entire being, right? Mm -hmm. And the second is to love your neighbor because we have to love God. Why do we have to love God? So that we can experience what love is. Mm. And so that we know that we're loved ourselves. Yeah. And so uh, I think a good reflection for a lot of people is like what I brought on uh, in our first reading with Jeremiah, that so many people need to experience God in this way and they need to reflect on this. And so I would tell people, read that, read that second reading again, but replace love with the name of Jesus. And let's see if your idea of Jesus changes. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is not jealous. Jesus is not pompous. He's not inflated. Jesus is not rude, and he doesn't speak of his own interests. He's not quick-tempered. Jesus doesn't rejoice over wrongdoing, Uh, but Jesus rejoices in the truth. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Jesus never fails. And you see, does does my definition or my idea of Jesus change? Let's take it one step further. If I'm baptized into the life of Christ, I am called to be another Christ. I'm called to be a light to the nations, the salt of the earth. And so that's why we go to confession. We fail to be Christ to the nations. And so people do an examination of conscience in many ways, right? So the Ten Commandments, the Seven Deadly Sins, the Beatitudes. I would propose that another good examination of conscience would be this second reading, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13. Replace love with your name. Mm. Father Poirier is patient. Mm. (laughs) Father Poirier is kind. When he wants to be. Yeah. Father Poirier is not jealous, and Father Poirier is not pompous. You see, when I start to replace my name, and I start to think about that, I start to see where my failings in love are because I'm called to love. I'm called to be love and to love, to to receive love and to give love. And so where am I failing at in this? That would be a great examination of conscience for people going to confession that they read through this and they say, okay, have I been quick-tempered? Have I failed? Have I been able to bear all things? Have I been able to endure all things? Have I not rejoiced over wrongdoings? Do I only rejoice in the truth? And so whenever I start to meditate upon that, I start to see my failures in love and what I'm called to. God God knows everything. And he's all-powerful. And he's everywhere. But on just on a radical level, we need to know that God knows and loves you individually. So in the gospel, Jesus starts the gospel off with that mic drop that we referenced earlier. And um, 
and basically he says, you know, the scripture is fulfilled in your midst, right? And the scripture that he's referring to is Isaiah 61. That would, that's the scroll that we see in Matthew's gospel, maybe. Um, and what he says in there, and I think it kind of all ties in, is he says that um, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, and to proclaim liberty to the captives. Right. And I think when we get caught up in our sin and we sin because we don't know how to love and we sin because we don't know that we are loved and we sin because we don't know who God is and what he loves like and that he loves us, then our hearts are broken and afflicted and we become captives and prisoners in our own sin. And so maybe Jesus was saying in that gospel, this is fulfilled in your midst because I'm coming so that you know that you're loved. You know what love is. You see how to love because I'm going to show you. And he shows us on the cross, right? And it's when we experience that agape love, that unconditional love, that sacrificial love that he shows us, then we begin to know how that we are loved. We begin to know how to love. And then we begin to love others. So this is a great meditation to substitute your name for love and then meditate on that as you reflect upon, you know, um, and examine your conscience to go to confession. Yeah. That I, I truly believe that people that follow the faith so strongly only are able to do that because they've had a, <clears throat> a great encounter with love. Because in the face of such great love, all you can do and respond is the love. And so people may say, well, what about me? I've never had a great experience of love. I would say, well, God still loves you more than you could ever imagine. And so I would say, maybe just try to reflect on that. Like, have you, have you ever sat down and actually thought about, prayed about, wondered, wondered at how much God actually loves you? And I would add to that. Um receiving restoration and being healed in the sacrament of confession is a great starting point Mm. to experiencing that great love that God has for you. The fact that um, he's going to forgive us when we blatantly turn our backs on him. Right. And then I would encourage you to either, or maybe even both go to the chapel and spend some time in, in front of our Lord in the blessed sacrament and or come to mass and realize that the bread that you are receiving that 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 our god puts himself into that bread transforms mm-hmm. that bread into himself so that he can be gift and food to us yeah i mean the sacramental life is where we experience god's love yeah it's like that uh that old that uh that song oh gets me every time what wondrous love is this mm-hmm. you know it's incredible so wherever you're at today um i just want to encourage you to um experience god's love in the sacramental life of the church the church gives us so many gifts and if there's a hesitation to confession um because maybe it's been years i want to encourage you to reach out to father um and i'll volunteer him he he would be more than happy to sit with you and chat with you and discuss with you what those reservations are and maybe speak some truth into that absolutely absolutely Uh, we get scared a lot whenever there's a lot of unknown and so maybe finding out a little bit more you may come to understand at least uh, the amazing gift that's waiting for you. Absolutely. 
Well, this brings us to concluding our 22nd episode of Beyond the Homily on the second month, the second day, and the 22nd year of... Okay, I might have messed that up. Anyway. There's a lot of twos in yeah, there. Two, 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 two. Um, so anyway, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We pray that you have a um, great rest of your week, and we'll see you all at Mass this weekend. God bless. God bless.